Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good morning. Welcome to the Venture Monthly Radio Program. How are you today? Hope everything is well in your world. As always, a lot of things to talk about today, including some big surprises. Well, one big surprise that grabbed my attention and maybe grabbed your attention yesterday afternoon. Just a preview of some of the things that we've got on our plate today. It's a big day down at the southern border. This will be very interesting to see the president down there and the former president. So it's Trump versus Biden. You'll see a lot of split screens today and a very different perspective on how to address these particular issues that are of utmost concern to Americans. This is at the top of a lot of people's lists as they make a determination as to who should be inaugurated in January of 2025. We've got some interesting information as well on polling. The polling is quite intriguing in what it has to say about Joe Biden, but also what it has to say about Donald Trump. That is an intriguing poll we will discuss. It's a swing state poll. That's where so much of the attention will be focused this time around. Also, what else do we have on the plate today? A little bit later on, we will also talk about a person who I'm very excited to see is entering into retirement. Um, I just think it's absolutely positively cool. Um, there are times, this is a, I think many of you know, this can be a business for people with very huge egos. And there's one person uh, that I've made it a point to stay in touch with, not as much as I would like to have in recent years, but I'm planning to correct that today, as a matter of fact. Um, I was determined to stay in touch with because he's probably one of the most humble people in the broadcasting business and uh, just a class act altogether retiring from local television station and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on i'll share my thoughts on that and the transition that will take place over at my former television station right now let's begin with some really good news that i was absolutely stunned to see yesterday afternoon when i saw this come across the screen, I thought, wow. There are people, and I've said this before, there are people who are, it's like they are <laughs> determined, they're going to die in their positions of power. There are two things that really grip us as human beings. One of them is money, and the other one is power. See, I think a lot of times people look and they see, oh, well, why is this person still there? You know, they're not making a lot of money. Come on. What are you, naive? <laughs> it's not just about money, especially for men. I think this is especially an issue for men. It's not just money. It's power. And it's hard to let go of. Hard to let go. 
And when you don't have the right, and, and I'm just being honest here, if you don't have the right kinds of values that drive you, uh, you're never going to let go. Mitch McConnell is leaving his position of minority leader. That was the big announcement yesterday. His decision is to leave in November. The end of an era on Capitol Hill, which means there will be a race to determine who is going to be the replacement. You know the crazy thing is? The replacements, the likely (laughs) replacement, the people who are at the top of the list, apparently, they all have the same first name. And I have to tell you, I'm not impressed with any of them. I'm sure you're shocked to hear that. But first things first. Mitch McConnell said he's going to continue to serve in the U.S. Senate, but will allow the next generation of leadership to take the helm of the Senate Republican Conference. Let me just say something. Loud and clear, the Republican Party. If all you're going to do is to go from one statist, big government Republican to a younger statist, big government Republican, you can take this party straight to hell. Because that's where it's going. Let me repeat that again. If the only difference here is going to be the age of the leader in the Senate, no thank you. I'm already very close. Maybe I'll have a fun party or something, and I'll burn my Republican registration, if there's such thing as any, <laughs> as a registration card. I'm, I'm really done with this. This is a party that you know, for the most part, right now, just it doesn't mean much of anything. Really doesn't. And when you have standard bearers like this who won't go away, who don't stand for anything other than their own positions, their own titles, you know, no thank you. Mitch McConnell turned 82 last week. 82. He's made history over the course of the political tenure of his, the longest-serving Senate party leader in history. He's found himself at odds with members of his conference, especially over the issue of additional U.S. funding for the war in Ukraine, strained relationship with the Republican Party's frontrunner, Donald Trump, even though his wife worked for him for a season. They have not spoken in more than three years. It's not surprising. But now he says the day has arrived to turn a corner. And I'm glad. I'm glad. And and let me say something, though, because I think it's important to say this. It's not like there is nothing good that he's ever done. I think in recent years, one of the most important things that he's done is to push through the nominations for Supreme Court and the other judge positions, he's done an extraordinary job there. And he deserves praise and credit for that. So for that, absolutely, great job. But everything else, the positions on really the things that matter the most, big government, spending, um, the man's out to lunch, and he's been out to lunch for years. And even though he came in during the Reagan era, there's nothing Reagan-esque, never has been, about Mitch McConnell. So I'm very glad that he is leaving. Now, the interesting thing is, he's going to stay. Now, even though he will not be majority leader, or minority leader, he will stay in office to serve out his term. I put a big question mark on that. But we'll see. We'll talk more about this, about the race to replace him. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And we're back at the Vince Coakley Radio Program talking about... Mitch McConnell's announcement that he is leaving as the minority leader. Coming up a little bit later on, we're going to talk about the potential replacement. And I did a little uh, checking to see what the Liberty scores look like. Let's just say two out of three of these folks, um, absolutely positively not. But the cynical side of me says, I'm betting one of the <laughs> one of the two that I think is least qualified for this position is probably going to get it. One person's score actually actually surprised me. I was quite intrigued. We'll talk about this a little later on. First more on the fallout from the announcement. This was not a headline that I found to be encouraging. McConnell's exit surprises GOP. It's Trump's party now. Dear God. GOP senators say Senator Mitch McConnell saw the writing on the wall in choosing this term to be as final as Senate Republican leader, arguing it's increasingly obvious the party's drifting away from him and embracing former President Trump as its likely presidential nominee. Kevin Kramer of North Dakota. It's a reflection of Mitch's understanding of the room. It's a reflection of both his personal situation, as he's described eloquently in his speech, and his reading of the political climate and his respect for that. McConnell's faced relentless pressure from longtime critics. Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, they've steadily gained supporters and recently elected conservatives, such as Senators J.D. Vance, Eric Schmidt, Rick Scott, Josh Hawley. All of those Republicans are aligned with Trump, who in just the last two months has reasserted himself as the GOP kingmaker in and out of Washington, D.C. Some of those Republicans said a change in the guard is appropriate, given how much the party has changed since Trump's stunning election in 2016. J.D. Vance saying, I think it's a good thing. When asked about McConnell stepping down from leadership, hopefully we get a Republican leader a little more in tune with the preferences of our voters. But we'll see. I pick up a note of skepticism there. A Republican senator requested anonymity to discuss the political pressures on McConnell, said the announcement caught many colleagues by surprise. The senator called the backlash from conservatives over the bipartisan border security deal vicious. He said, I can re read the political tea leaves or something to that effect. After you've been leader for 18 years, who wants to go out with your colleagues ripping on you? And that's where the Republican aide said, it's Trump's party now. It's the end of the Reagan era and now the MAGA era. Already. And then we have the perspective of other conservatives reacting to this news, according to Breitbart. Saying that, you know what? It's great he's stepping down in November. It ought to be sooner than that. <laughs> I would certainly agree with that. Why wait? Why wait until November? Decision following months of calls from various conservative leaders urging him to step down, especially following a series of health scares, freeze-ups. You remember that freeze-up in front of the media, which McConnell ultimately dismissed. I'm going to finish my term as leader. I'm going to finish my Senate term. That's what he's told us. <laughs> this was an interesting post from Laura Loomer. Why are Republicans so stupid? 
Ronna Romney should be forced to step down before Super Tuesday. Mitch McConnell should be forced to step down before November. You don't let the fox stay inside the barn. You drive them out. What the hell is wrong with these people? Josh Hawley. Following the news, echoing the common theme, Republicans want a replacement not in November, but now. I called on McConnell to step down over a year ago. This is good news, but why wait so long? We need new leadership now. Yeah. Sean Davis, CEO, co-founder of The Federalist. Why won't McConnell resign his leadership position now? Because he wants to use his power to sabotage Trump. Keep the border open and funnel money to Ukraine for the next eight months. Ooh. Why is McConnell planning to resign in November? And not when the new Congress is sworn in. He doesn't want newly elected senators having any say in who his replacement is. McConnell is corrupt to his core. He needs to resign now. Matt Gates. Better days are ahead for the Republican Party. That's his perspective. Nikki Haley. My goodness. I respect Senator McConnell's decision. Serving at that level for that long is not easy. He did many good things. But he is right. We do need a new generation, not just in Congress, but also in the White House. And adding, she's fighting to get the Republican Party back to its principles of fiscal discipline and national security. Republicans need to get back to winning. It's what our children deserve. (laughs) And Breitbart taking a shot at her, failing to note she's not won a single primary contest yet. By the way, in case you don't know, Breitbart is actually Trump Bart. Very much in the tank for the former president. Far-left Democrat Adam Schiff seemed to celebrate McConnell's coming departure for different reasons, accusing him of enabling Donald Trump. Isn't this ironic? Kevin McCarthy, Ronald McDaniel, Mitch McConnell, the GOP is finally getting rid of its peacetime generals, Dinesh D'Souza. The rank and file know what a dire situation we face as a country and is demanding new leadership that is up to the formidable task ahead. So that's the perspective of the conservative side. At least some of those folks are conservatives. Still to come, we'll talk about the three Johns who would like to jump into this position of leader of the Republicans in the Senate. We'll tell you which one of these is maybe halfway worth consideration. Back to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. So we've got the news. Mitch McConnell leaving his leadership position in November. Conservatives not thrilled at all. It's not happening soon enough. Then we turn to the conversation about who will be the replacement. Because that's one of the big questions here. Because if we're just going to put somebody else in who is equally, let's just say, liberal, what difference does it make? By the way, I didn't, haven't looked lately to see the Liberty score for Mitch McConnell. Anybody want to place any bets on this? How low is the Liberty score for Mitch McConnell? We will definitely get to the three Johns who want to replace him. Oh my gosh, this is dreadful. Mitch McConnell has a 44, a 44, which is an F, F. See, it just blows my mind. I wonder if there were an equivalent to what the fine folks at Conservative Review do on the liberal side, I wonder how their top leaders would score. I mean, I'm betting. Joe Biden would score very high. And the leadership, like Chuck Schumer and 
who do they have in the House again? Cannot remember the guy's name. Who is the minority leader? Uh, I guarantee you, they'd have A's or B's. These are folks who have an agenda, and they're pressing forward with their agenda. And they accomplish something in every piece of legislation that they're advancing. In fact, we're going to talk about this later on because there is a deal to keep the government open. I'm sure you're just thrilled to death because your life would have come to an end without it. (laughs) Um, And as I understand it, it's not pretty. It never is. Never is with these big spending bills that they end up throwing together at the last minute to keep the government open. So let's talk about these three Johns. Who are these people? Three Johns. While a shadow campaign has been going on for years throughout McConnell's record-setting tenure as leader, jockeying by potential successors has begun in earnest, and now it's going to burst into the open. Republicans, for the most part, are looking at the trio of Senators John Thune, South Dakota, John Cornyn, Texas, and John Barrasso of Wyoming as the leading contenders to take over for Mitch McConnell with a possible conservative challenger mixed in. Hmm. Nine months of runway for auditions and maneuvering. Senate Republicans are preparing for an open leadership election conference has not seen in two decades see this is another problem why in the world do you have a president could only serve for two terms and mitch mcconnell has been in office in this leadership position it's measured in decades there's something really wrong with that tommy tuberville out of alabama saying this is going to be a roller coaster ride all three top contenders were deferential to McConnell after his announcement. But all po- all signs point to them looking toward a run for the top spot. Thune, the number two Senate Republican, declined to say definitively he's running, but added he would have more to say in short order. I'm sure he will. He leaves really big shoes to feel. We'll give you more insight into what we're thinking here in the near future. Thune's allies already preparing for him to take the plunge. People around him saying he's definitely going to run. Cornyn, more clear that he's looking ahead to a bid to replace McConnell, the number two Senate Republican from 2013 to 2019, before he was term limited from the post. But he's remained a key McConnell ally. He told reporters, today is about Mitch McConnell, but I've made no secret of my intentions. Uh Uh-huh. Barrasso. Largely declined to wade into leadership waters Wednesday, saying he's going to focus on winning back the White House and the Senate majority. Going to talk to members of the conference, hear what they have to say, listen to them in terms of what direction they want to take with the conference. Some in Senate GOP circles have noted Verasso would have an easy landing place if he were to falter in his run, he's only one of the three who would be able to serve as Republican whip. Thune's third term in the post ends at the end of the year, while Cornyn was Thune's predecessor. Kevin Kramer of North Dakota saying all three have more than adequate talent and experience to do the job. Yada, 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 yada. Senator Marco Rubio saying it's uncharted for a lot of folks here who's only, this person saying, he's only known the Senate GOP under McConnell's stewardship. There will be time to figure all this out. Comments from Marco Rubio. There are wild cards at play in the fight to replace McConnell. One of them is Rick Scott, who ran and lost not ruling out a potential second bite of the apple. Scott maintained he's focused on his re-election bid. I thought we should have change in leadership. I think there's a better way to run the Senate, so we'll see what happens in the future. 
The last time around, it was 37 to 10. You know how this works. You know very well how this works. This is a situation where you have a Republican conference, which is not conservative. So those 10 votes were probably all the conservatives there are in the Senate. We're going to talk about three Johns, their liberty scores. This is going to blow your mind. Then again, it probably won't. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, today is the day, Leap Day. And a special invitation out there for you to join Breaking Brett Jensen at the first WBT Cigar Club meetup of 2024. It is tonight, ladies and gentlemen, 6 to 9 p.m. at the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar in Gastonia. Watch Brett host Breaking with Brett Jensen live, browse premium cigar brands, including Cohiba, and enjoy giveaways and specials courtesy of the Vintage. It's the WBT Cigar Club. That's tonight. At the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar Gastonia, seating limited, so lock in your reservation right now. Email cigar at wbt.com for reservations. So before we move on, we cap out our coverage of what is happening on Capitol Hill with the departure of Mitch McConnell by talking about the three Johns. Are you ready for Liberty Scores? Well, let's jump right in. This was not a surprise at all. John Cornyn, 54. 54. Now, to clarify, for those of you who may not be regular listeners of this broadcast, Conservative Review does Liberty Scores based on voting records, not campaign slogans and running off your fat trap. It's based on your voting record. So when push comes to shove... How do you vote? Do you vote for conservative values or do you vote for big government claptrap? John Cornyn has a 54. John Thune has a 51. These people should not even be Republican senators at all. I mean, this is my position. If you've got people who are this flimsy on supporting conservative values, why even have a party? What's the point? Why don't you just go join the Democrat Party if you've got F's? And then you have John Barrasso, who actually scored a C, a 76. So out of the three, if I had to choose between these three, it would be John Barrasso. But there's one I'd rather see in that position than all of the others. I've already mentioned his name. He tried before, and I told you how it turned out. The conservatives voted for him. And you can see why he's not getting traction, because the Republican conference is not conservative. 86 is the score. That's what Rick Scott has. That's a B. It's stunning. (laughs) An 86. Can you imagine a... Republican Senate actually led by a genuine conservative? Boy, that would be miraculous. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, it ain't going to happen. It really isn't going to happen. Because you have to understand, this is a club that is very much focused on itself. It's not about the American people. This is about consolidating the power of the people there. And the Republican establishment is going to do everything in its power to make sure one of these losers wins. And I call them losers because ultimately, if they're not supporting conservative values and things that will actually promote the sustainability of this country. And that's what I want you to understand. This is not a partisan thing to me. That's not what this is about. Overspending and debt will destroy this country. And both parties are just playing along because they ultimately, they're not concerned about the future at all. 
The only future they're concerned about is theirs, their political futures. That's how this thing works. Well, let's talk about the other thing that has happened on Capitol Hill. You know, and it's amazing to me. These folks are so proud of themselves because they really think they've done something wonderful here. What am I talking about? Well, this little bipartisan deal they've worked out. To keep the government open, isn't it just wonderful? And in any case, there's a really uh, challenging situation for the Speaker of the House because he's, he's really... He's really outnumbered here because the on the Republican side, Mitch McConnell is not really going to fight for much of anything. On the Democrat side, you've got both of these folks leading the House and Senate. They are absolutely on the same page. And I would argue that those three, the Democrat House and Senate leader and Mitch McConnell, they're on the same page. That's how this thing works. And so you ha- really have three against one. Three against one. So now we've got a last bid effort to avert a partial government shutdown. They're going to take up a short term stopgap measure that would extend by one week. See, this is maddening, isn't it? The House is going to take up a bill to extend by one week federal funding that expires at midnight on Friday and set a March 22nd funding deadline for other government agencies. (laughs) This is just crazy. I love the way this article, I think this is Reuters, the effort to get the measure through the House and Democratic legs Senate and on to President Joe Biden's desk in time to face hurdles, especially in the Democrat-led Senate, where some hardline Republicans are expected to demand amendment votes in exchange for fast-tracking the bill. Hardline. So if you want to do something other than overspend, you're a hardliner. What idiots. Absolute idiots. Hour number two of our broadcast is straight ahead. Stay with us. Welcome to hour number two of the Vince Coakley radio program. If you'd like to join the conversation, our phone number, 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. Because of my boundless generosity, let's start off with a call from Chris. Good morning and welcome, Chris. Vince, I'm just letting you know I can barely hear you, so when you answer my question, I'm just going to hang up and go on the on the radio. All right. Uh, I was curious if you could go ahead and let us know what the Liberty scores of Tom Tillis and Ted Butler are. <laughs> I'm going to hang up and listen to it. Thank you very much. And, and this, this was a complete setup, by the way, because I, I, know, I think Chris knows full well what the Liberty scores are for these guys. I'm serious. Oh my goodness. Do I have to do this again? Because it's, it's not a pretty picture at all. Anybody want to guess? In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb by the way. And I'm going to raise the question as to whether maybe he will even be a dark horse candidate to become the new Senate leader for Republicans, as in Tom Tillis. (laughs) I'm looking at this Liberty score now. My goodness. I just, I'm serious, folks. I just don't get it. I, I don't, I don't understand the point, again, of this party. I really don't. When you can have people who, um, just perform horribly in terms of their voting records. That's really what's going on here. 
Okay, you ready for this? Tom Tillis's Liberty score is a 49. It's a 49. Ted Budd has an 84. Ted Budd has always been, ever since I've known him, he's been a reliably conservative, conservative, uh, conservative voter. And when I say voter, that's where the rubber hits the road. I don't care what you say and your campaign ads about being a conservative and conservative values. It's all a bunch of BS. If you get on the floor of that Senate and you don't vote for conservative things, it's just that simple. Ted Budd, 84. It's not complicated, folks. So we've got one conservative senator here in North Carolina. So that answers your question. (laughs) I hope it answers it well. I want to take a moment before we delve into some of the other news that is going on, including news at the border, because we've got... Dueling visits to the border today from the president and former president. We'll get to that in a bit. I want to, on a personal note, just really commend a former colleague who really reached an extraordinary milestone. Nearly three years at WSOC. 30 years at, did I say three? 30 years at WSOC. Charlotte Observer reports on the longtime WSOC chief meteorologist Steve Udelson delivering his final broadcast before retiring yesterday. In fact, his birthday after decades with Charlotte's number one rated station. Steve joined the station way back in 1997. I joined in 92. And I remember when, and, and I can honestly tell you, when I first met Steve and first connected with him, it was very... Um, very obvious that this was a classy guy. 1997. Boy, I really feel old now. So, he came in 97. Emmy Award winner became the chief meteorologist. And, um, He's just done an extraordinary job over the time he was there, working endless hours, tracking record-breaking storms across the Carolinas, Hurricane Floyd back in 1999, ice storm in 2004, tornadoes throughout the viewing area and beyond. Also won two regional Emmys, named North Carolina Weathercaster of the Year multiple times, worked with local and federal leaders to improve life-saving radar coverage across the region. As I said, Steve is just a class act, and I absolutely wish he and his wife Susan the best. I was just sending text to them a little while ago, and uh, just to be able to, in this season of life, just have a great time and enjoy grandchildren, that's a wonderful thing to be able to do at this season of life after working so hard and so well and just being an all-around decent person. So a shout-out to my friend Steve Udelson, and he will certainly be missed. I also want to congratulate John Ahrens, who I also got to know while there. John is a good guy, very, very good guy, and he's going to do a great job as he has now taken the helm as chief meteorologist over at WSOC Channel 9. So, really cool stuff with the changing of the guard there. So today is a big day at the border. I'm really intrigued by the fact that we have dueling visits to the border. And this is where, believe it or not, Yes, the Battle of the Border Visits. Um, and I know uh, there are those who are going to be in shock because I'm about ready to commend Donald Trump for bringing this issue to the forefront. It's the major reason that this is a topic of discussion. 
because this subject has been ignored for years. Ignored. And before we're ready to do laps for the Republican Party on this issue, the Republican Party has been nowhere on this until Donald Trump came around. And now you've got Joe Biden clearly recognizing he better do something other than they need ice cream. So both of them on the way to the border today. NBC's take on this, Trump and Biden collide in split-screen trips to the border with immigration in the spotlight. Trump has tried to pink the flow of migrants into the country as a failure of Biden-era policies. What do you mean, try to paint the flow of migrants as a failure of Biden-era policies? It is a failure. And And in all fairness, it's not just Biden. It's all of them. All of these presidents bear responsibility for what we have now at the border. Presidents, Congress, they have every bit of it. Let me just tell you something, lest anybody deceive you. They have all of the power and all of the money that they need to do what they're supposed to do. The, what they're lacking here is the will. That's the problem. That's why it has not been taken care of once and for all. I mean, if it requires a wall and multiple other things, other forms of surveillance to make this happen, wonderful. Do it. But it's certainly past time to tolerate excuses from people who clearly have reasons to want to keep this border open. Coming up, we'll talk about the different sides of this what Joe Biden is hoping to accomplish, and what the former president, Donald Trump, hopes to do for his campaign trip to the border as well. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. On social media, emails into your host, Seth, writes this, isn't it odd? How Mitch McConnell announced he's leaving right after the meeting with Mike Johnson and the other leaders makes you wonder if something wasn't said to him. We also heard this. Brenda writing in, I've recently heard Mitch McConnell cannot offend the Chinese since his wife's family business transports items for China and China would could possibly destroy the business as retaliation. I think the party should look into the backgrounds of any replacement, ensure they are not in the pocket of anyone. Let's have someone that truly wants the best for the country and can follow all the routes required to get the best for the U.S. I'm with you on this. I mean, I know this is awkward, and some people might want to throw up accusations of racism or whatever, I I think you have to raise some questions here about what you've said here, Brenda. They're legitimate questions. Are there reasons why people have not followed through and taken, in some cases, some strong measures because of business connections? It's a very valid question. Let's talk about the split-screen duel going on today and some polling data on the two presidential candidates. NBC's take on this. Trump and Biden collide in split-screen trips to the border with immigration in the spotlight. Big issue. Biden's second trip to the border since he took office. He first went to El Paso January 2023, this time visiting Brownsville a border town in the Rio Grande Valley that's long felt the impacts of migration up close. 
Jean-Pierre, Miss Corinne Jean-Pierre, saying he wanted to show it was important for him to go down there to hear from Border Patrol agents, to hear from first responders. Biden will also deliver remarks to urge congressional Republicans to pass more border security funding. Still critics of the administration point out Biden is visiting Brownsville at a time when the direst consequences of the migrant influx have shifted elsewhere. According to Customs and Border Protection, the federal agency that includes the Border Patrol, many more migrants are now crossing at other parts of the border, such as Arizona and Eagle Pass, Texas. So we're not going to the real hot spot. Eagle Pass, that's where Trump will visit. He's visited the border many times before and announced his trip before the White House did. Biden said this week he'd been planning to go, but he didn't know his good friend would be there the same day. What a hypocrite. Good friend. The guy you have essentially demonized. Two senior administration officials said the timing of the trip was meant to maximize its political impact. A week before the State of the Union address, one of the officials said, we welcome the split screen with Trump. Trump joked of Biden on a radio show this week. Well, we found out how to get him off of his ass. It took me announcing announcing that I'm going down to the border. Yes, and I'm sure that's true. Now, the White House claims this was already planned. (laughs) Yeah, right. Ms. Jean-Pierre said, we can't just all of a sudden put something on the president's schedule. It takes time to do that. Really? NBC News poll from January, finding 57% of registered voters said Trump would handle securing the border better. 22% said the same for Biden. (laughs) This is hilarious. People know. They know he's full of crap. The poll found 48% of people said they would trust Biden to treat immigrants humanely. 31% said the same of Trump. This is... What is humane? Somebody tell me what humane is. I mean, it's not like you've got anybody recommending you just shoot people. I mean, come on. Now, the Biden administration has been making the case to House Republicans that Trump's urging torpedoed a bipartisan bill that included $20 billion for border security. It was hashed out in the Senate, endorsed by the Border Patrol Union. The White House said it would have added 100 immigration judges, 1,500 customs and border protection personnel, 4,300 asylum officers, as well as more detention beds. Would have also funded the installation of more inspection machines to detect fentanyl in ports of entry. But House Speaker Mike Johnson said the Senate version didn't go far enough to deal with the border crisis. Democrats accused the GOP of refusing to compromise to keep the immigration issue front and center during the election year. Claim Biden hasn't done enough to stop the migrant influx. So Biden has been considering executive actions to tighten asylum rules. We should have done this a long time ago. Don't, again, don't buy any of this stuff. Well, I need Congress to do this or that. If you want the border secure, it can be secure. It's not complicated in the least bit. But they want you to think it's complicated, and they want to put blame elsewhere. That's how this thing works. It's kind of lame. But what else would you expect from this administration? The other thing, and I'll set this up before we go to break... It's interesting to see the polling data. I, this is just me. I am still convinced that we're not going to see Trump and Biden on the ballot in November. I don't think they will both be there. One or both will be off by November. But having said that, part of what goes through my mind, I wonder... How much fatigue may be setting in for voters? This is only, we're on the edge of March. I mean, March begins tomorrow. Can you imagine continuing to watch and listen to these two old guys battle it out all the way to November? 
I <laughs> I think there's a lot of fatigue with these two to begin with. We've got some new polling data, in fact, that I think suggests that both campaigns ought to be very concerned. This is polling data from Bloomberg News and Morning Consult. There's information here that these two ought to heed. I'm not even going to tell you the headline because I want you to wait to find out what the headline is. But it's right on the money. (laughs) In terms of what people are thinking, I'm not endorsing these folks and their thoughts. But people have some very strong opinions. And we're going to tell you what they are as we continue the broadcast. Back of the Vince Coakley Radio Program and an opportunity for you to weigh in on what we've discussed related to the border before we talk about some new polling data that is out. Let us first go out to Jim. Good morning, Jim, and welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Vince. Uh, you know, to me, the, the problem right now in discussing the border, particularly for the conservatives or the Republicans, They're messaging, basically, they show these large throngs of illegals coming in, and they're branded racist. Maybe that's why a lot of people don't want to talk about it, the truth. Even Donald Trump made the stupid remark, I think, not long ago about how these people were thinning our blood or some something like that but the the messaging the message for the conservatives and I think the easiest way to get real action on the border uh, is to go to the economic part of it in January I think this gentleman by the name of camarada said that the cost per migrant uh, over the next decade or something like that was going to be to the taxpayers in the tune of 70 some thousand dollars or close there too that's the message it's we cannot afford everyone coming across the border that has a price tag of 68 or 70 thousand dollars how many millions they want money for ukraine they want money for this for that uh the message to me is an economic one the american people and taxpayers cannot afford the cost that each one of these individuals plus their progeny are going to cost us. The people in these blue cities are starting to see that now. Uh, it's costing a lot, not only uh, their amenities, but just uh, the, the total cost to the communities of having these people in. But I think that's where the Republicans need to focus. It's on the economic. I, instead of saying, here's a crowd of 4,000, say, Here's about 4,000 people. Studies have shown each one of these is going to cost you $68,000. Let the American people pull their calculator out and improve <laughs> their mathematic skills by multiplying. But that, that's my comment. That, I think that's where the message needs to be. And you no talk about this to... every single time when you see, you estimate these crowds, and you put the dollar amounts and connect it to the people so they see, when they see people, they see dollars. That's what you're saying is your message, Jim. Well, I think that is the message. No yep. one wants their wallet ripped off. Uh, you know, Vince, these, these folks in California were gyrating for reparations. <laughs> Donald Trump needs to go out there and say, hey, you know, the money that's being spent by your governor and the current administration, that ship sailed. You don't have, there's no money to give you reparations. Forget about that. But, Vince, a couple of years ago, I think I called you and I, I made mention of a movie that, you know, they're trying to turn this country into a Marxist state, but I mentioned to you a movie. It was Dr. Zhivago, and you've seen that. When Yuri the doctor returns from World War I, uh, he goes into to his mansion, and the socialists have moved 20 families in there. And he starts to get angry, and his wife, I think, cups his, his mouth, and then he turns to the commissar and says, yes, you're right. This was too big of a house. <laughs> but that if people want to see socialism and what's coming, you just with 
untold throngs. That's it. And yep. uh, that's those are my comments. Thanks. I hear you, Jim. Hey, very, very much appreciate your call and perspective. Let's go out to John. Good morning, John. Is John still there? Earth calling John. Come in, John. Going once, going twice, and adios. Must be some sort of issue there. I told you before the break about some new polling data that's out. And I don't think you'll find any of this surprising whatsoever. Bloomberg reports on this. Biden is too old. Trump is dangerous. This is a swing state poll. Swing state voters across every major demographic group describe President Biden as too old, showing that concerns about his age have permeated even the most reliable constituencies of the Democratic Party. In other words, what they're saying here is, no matter how reliable this group or that group is, they all agree. I mean, we know that above everybody else, Biden wants to pander to black voters because that is what made the difference in South Carolina, for instance. Well, he can't depend on all of these voting groups because they all believe he's too old. Overall, 8 in 10 voters in crucial states said Biden was too old when asked to think about the front runners in the 2024 election. This survey taken after that special prosecutor's report that cast the 81-year-old president as an elderly man with a poor memory. In contrast, less than half of respondents said his almost certain rival, 77-year-old Donald Trump, was too old. Isn't it interesting? I mean, they're only a few years apart. I mean, Biden's 81 Trump is 77, and there's a world of difference between the two. It's, it's apparent. I mean, you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure it out. Still, Trump faces his own vulnerabilities with swing state voters. And I'm going to tell you what a majority are saying about the former president. I think it's kind of silly. But then again... This is where people are. And ultimately, this is the job of Donald Trump to convince the electorate otherwise. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, so Donald Trump, what's the deal with him? We've already established that according to voters in this poll... Joe Biden is too old. So what is being said about Donald Trump, who is about four years younger? Well, they're saying the former president is dangerous. <gasps> and a sign of how top of mind Biden's age and acuity are for swing state voters. More than a thousand poll respondents mentioned those themes even before they were asked about them directly. They referenced them in reply to an open-ended question about what they had seen, read, or heard about the candidate recently. The responses underscore the depth and ubiquity of a voter concern that sometimes overshadowed Biden's policy achievements and proved difficult for his campaign to assuage. Biden continues to trail Trump in all seven states most likely to decide the election. Swing states' voters' perceptions of an improving national economy failing to translate into a significant increase in support for the incumbent. 4,955 voters. So this is a pretty good sampling. Trump maintains his lead over Biden if other candidates 
Independent Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Jill Stein, the Green Party, Independent Cornell West are included. By the way, North Carolina, plus nine for Donald Trump, plus nine, 50 to 41. Not a pretty picture for the current president. Majorities of black voters, young voters, women labeled Biden as too old. Even among those who say they plan to vote for Biden, 7 in 10 say he fit that description. Voters more likely to describe Trump as being mentally fit or in good health. Biden's age is clearly a sticky narrative the president's campaign is going to have to contend with. So there you go. Almost 6 in 10 swing state voters labeled Trump, on the other hand, as dangerous, a concern far more pronounced among undecided voters who make up less than one-tenth of the swing state electorate. Even 28% of those who plan to vote for him in November agree Trump is dangerous. Isn't that interesting? Fewer than half as many Biden supporters said the same about their candidate. Swing state voters who volunteered that they had heard something about his recent comments degrading NATO were especially lopsided in thinking Trump was the more dangerous of the two candidates. This, See, this is the kind of thing where you've got to watch your words, but it doesn't matter to Donald Trump. He thinks he can say anything. There are consequences to this. Isn't it amazing how just passing comments during that campaign appearance, people heard it and heard about it. Trump also fell short of Biden on other key attributes with fewer voters calling the Republican compassionate or honest. Boy, there's a shocker. Criminal cases. This is going to prove to be important. As many as half of swing state voters say they would be unwilling to vote for Trump if he's convicted in any one of the criminal cases in which he faces charges. Those include accusations of paying hush money to porn star Stormy Daniels, mishandling classified documents, and separate state and federal cases alleging a conspiracy to overthrow the results of the 2020 election. Those numbers don't vary much from one case to another. Justice voters frequently cited Biden's age in an open-ended question about him. The same question about Trump yielded hundreds of mentions of his court cases. Trump supporters, though, more likely than other voters to be dismissive of the charges. So this is going to be interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. By the way, another interesting political announcement. We were talking about the Senate earlier. Justin Amash is going to run for Senate. Do you remember him? He used to be a member of Congress. And he has made the decision to run for the Senate. So that is kind of encouraging to have another conservatarian. I think that most accurately describes his positions. Uh, We need more like him. There's no question about that. So I think that is a very, very good piece of news. Let's take a look at the day in history. How are you today, Tommy? Doing well, doing well. Hoping to redeem myself for my couple misses yesterday. We'll see if I can do a little better. Okay, we will see. 1692, Sarah Good and Tatuba are charged with a crime in Salem, Massachusetts. There's your hint. What do you think was the crime they were charged with? She's a witch! (laughs) Burner! Exactly. 1940, actress Hattie McDaniel was the first black woman to win an Oscar. 1952, New York City got the very first signs of this type at 44th and Broadway. These aren't signs for drivers, but they are signs for pedestrians. What do they say? Is it those uh, walk stop signs, like the you know crosswalk deals? We'll give that to you. It's I don't know walk, what they're called. Walk, don't walk signs. Oh, so you've got that one. 
Excellent. 1952 was the year for that. This is a little more difficult. 1956, this general and president announced he would run for a second term. Did not succeed, if I remember correctly. Who was this president? 1956. Well, you said general, and I was going to say Eisenhower, but you said he didn't well, win. there you go. Okay. You hit it on the head. It's Eisenhower. Boom. 1968. This group won a Grammy for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. The Beatles. The Beatles. And last but not least, this is not a necessarily easy one to come up with. 1972. The first major league player to sign a contract worth $200,000 a year. Man, that's pocket change. Oh, oh. Signing contracts today. I'll give you a hint. He's black. Wasn't it Reggie Jackson? Or Dave Winfield? it's Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron. 1972. That is amazing to me, too, to think $200,000 a year. And, I mean, look at these contracts now. I mean, yeah, in the millions of dollars, and it it used to be. I, I'm not sure if it was Hank Aaron or it was one of the uh, very good um, African American players in the major leagues who basically um, set up free agency as we know it today. Like the n- players negotiating for pretty much every dollar that they're worth, um, and that was back. I can't. I'll have to do some research to remind myself, but it was back around then as well. So. Yeah, they used to get pennies. They used to have, you know, off-season jobs and all that kind of thing, which obviously in today's professional sports landscape, especially for, you know, the big four, hard to imagine. Yeah, it's crazy, too, when a lot of what drives this, it's not just the attendance, the games. A lot of what drives the the money that's coming in is these uh, big contracts that the uh, television networks have to actually carry these and i think i saw recently the other day there's going to be uh, apparently a multi-billion dollar deal uh for major league baseball so there's a lot of money available and these guys certainly want to get their piece and you can't blame them one bit for trying to get it tommy great job as usual thanks very much for joining us on the broadcast today as well everyone Lord willing, we are back very soon for more conversation right here. Stay with us. Have a great day and God bless you. Adios.